I want us to direct our attention this morning to Galatians chapter 6 as we launch this series of sowing and reaping. Uh, I, I truly believe this. Uh, now, I want you to hear this. I, I don't want you to be uh, confused about the theology of sowing and reaping. Uh, understand, ladies and gentlemen, the only way that we can earn salvation is not by our works. We know that it's through, come on, the grace of God, through Jesus Christ. Amen. The faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's only by, uh, through faith, by faith, uh, by his grace that we're saved. And so, but I don't want us to be ignorant and not understand the power of sowing and reaping in our life. And I want us to spend a few weeks on this. I want us to digest this. I want us to think about it. I want us to look at these scriptures and reflect on this. I so live my life this way. I believe in this principle of sowing and reaping. It's not just about finances, and we will not deal with finances this morning. But there are other ways that we sow into our life and, uh, and, and that we reap. And there are some powerful things that God wants to do in our life where God has given us the principle to practice of sowing seeds, do some intentional things, and we will reap a harvest. How many believe that God has a harvest uh, for us in our life? Amen? A harvest of friendships, relationships, healthy marriages, harvest of, of, of career path and career choice, a plan, a purpose for your life. God has all of those things. And he's given us, he has delegated the stewardship, if you will, the, the ability to do some things in order to sow into our future. So when we talk about sowing and reaping, I'm not talking about uh, necessarily karma. Karma is the, is the new phrase, the new buzzword that ever, karma is going to get you, right? Uh, you may have heard this one when, Karma comes back to punch you in the face. I want to be there in case it needs my help. I heard gasp all over the place. Come on, I know you, I know you have thought that a few times. Uh, I'm not talking about you get what you deserve, although some of that. See, karma is from the religion of Buddhism. It's a religion of Hinduism. And karma and the Bible, just so that we're clear this morning, karma and the Bible don't mix. And so when you use the phrase karma, understand that you're using a terminology, a phrase of a religion that we don't believe. So I know, I've seen the little, the little post and karma's going to get you and you got what you deserve. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about biblical principles. I'm talking about scripture this morning. I'm talking about the Word of God, the power of God's Word that when it deposits in our life and we take it in, embrace it, and work it out, that there is amazing things that God's Word will bring to life. And it should not only caution us, God forbid that it scares you. I don't want you to be intimidated or manipulated in any way. I want you to be empowered this morning. I don't want you to be scared to death about your life. That's not what God's intent is, is to scare you, to manipulate you. God wants to empower us that we take his principles 
and know that we can sow into our life and that God is the rewarder. So I'm going to give you several scriptures this morning and just jot them down. And, 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 I, and one of them that comes to my mind immediately is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a, what is that? What is that? A rewarder. Thank God. I get excited when I wake up in the morning and say, God, I purposely, intentionally sowed seeds into my future, and today is a day that you may bring a harvest in my life. A reward is coming. I look at my children and I say, God, I don't, I don't just operate in fear, I operate in faith. And I say, God, I know that you're going to bring a harvest to pass in their life because they have been sowing into the future. Bonnie and I have been sowing into the future. And God has a wonderful plan and purpose for them. Do you believe that this morning? You ought to give God praise that he is a rewarder. A rewarder. And I'm not talking about sowing and reaping and and it's your job to, uh, to help God out, to get back at people. We don't believe in that. But, but since we're talking about farmers, that there was a, a farmer who had several watermelon patches, a large watermelon patch, and some kids in the neighborhood were stealing from him, taking the watermelons home. So he said, all right, I'm going to solve this. So he puts a big sign right at the beginning of the field. He said, one of these watermelons is injected with cyanide. He watched through at a distance and seen the kids that read the sign, they ran off. Next morning, got up, go to his watermelon patch, and next to the sign says, now there's two watermelons that are injected with cyanide. Galatians chapter 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore. Someone shout restore. So if someone is caught in sin, Scripture is clear that we don't bash, throw under the bus, make a spectacle out of them, condemn them even, but it's very clear that if someone is caught in a sin, we are to restore them. Restoration is a process, not blabbing your mouth or your gums. There is a process for restoration, and it does not entail Facebook. Hello, somebody. That we restore, the Bible says, and restore them, notice this, gently. That we are to not be harsh in our restoration, but we are to be sensitive that we are to restore them as gently as we can. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted carrying each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Reminds me of a, you know, okay, we're Spirit-filled church, all right, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. It reminds me of one day that, I don't know why, but you see kind of the craziest stuff at a Spirit-filled church. Anybody ever seen crazy? I've seen some good stuff, some powerful stuff. 
I mean some miracles and healing in a spirit-filled church. Have you? Amen. But I've also seen some stuff where we've kind of slipped into crazy a little bit. So this lady got up and was going to prophesy, and, and so she says, uh, Thou thinks thou art a humdinger, but I tell you, you are not a humdinger. Humble yourself before the Lord. <laughs> so, a lot of times in a Pentecostal church, we kind of move in the spirit or we can move in the flesh. But evidently, there was this air or arrogancy that this woman felt like she had to correct. Thou thinkest thou art a humdinger. It's a southern term. Just ignore it if you don't get it. Sometimes we think we are something. Ladies and gentlemen, when we have the humility of Christ in us, we know. And if you've ever made a mistake or have messed up, you know how to humble yourself and know that, you know what? That's what Paul, the Apostle Paul says, except for the grace of God, go I. When we see people make mistakes, people get... Uh, hung up in, a, in an area of sin or uh, their personality just comes out in a negative way, we understand that you and I could be in the same situation. We could slip into arrogancy and slip into sin ourselves. So we have to humble ourselves and watch ourselves that we don't just land blast people and pick on them and criticize them because you and I could go there pretty quick ourselves. If it's not for the grace of God, if I have anything to boast in, it's what we just sung about. It's the cross. That the cross, I do not earn salvation, and I don't care how much good I can do, it does not take the place of our Lord and Savior. So we don't have anything to boast in. When you're correcting someone, when you're trying to restore someone, be careful. Do it with grace and humility. If you have any advice to offer at all, if you have anything to help in, be humble. Because the humility that you have only comes. The, the knowledge that you have only comes through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did you say? Each one of you should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without accompanying themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word shall share all good things with their instructor. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Don't be deceived. Don't miss this point. Don't miss the principle that God allows, has put the principle in place that whatever we sow, we're going to reap. God will allow us to use our efforts to reap a harvest. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, 
for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I read this because I wanted you to catch the entire context. You cannot just select a verse without understanding what is Paul dealing with. When he talks about sowing and reaping, in this context, he is talking about doing well, restoration, restoring people. That there, he's talking about our actions and our behaviors, not just a financial seed or financial giving. That you and I, through our actions and behaviors, we sow seed, our kindness. We talked about kindness and love. That is sowing seed that eventually will reap a harvest. This morning, someone shout the power of seed. I, I, want, I want you to see that there is the power in the seed. We'll talk more about other aspects of the power of seed uh, in the next coming weeks. But the seed that God has delegated you, the seed that God has given you is powerful. It has multiplication abilities that what you plant can multiply. What you sow will multiply. If we take a kernel of corn and drop it into the ground, that corn will produce one corn stalk, one to two ears of corn on that corn stalk, and both of those ears or one of those ears will have hundreds of kernel, kernels of corn. Potential seed. One seed produces multiple seeds in return. And what you and I sow at life has the power to bring an incredible harvest. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus said in verse 31, he told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in the field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. I want you to see, not necessarily in, this, in the context of what Jesus is saying here, but I want you to see the dynamics or the principle behind multiplying that Jesus makes reference, and he did a couple of different times, about the mustard seed. That your faith is like a mustard seed. How small it is. It can fit underneath your fingernail, your thumbnail, but yet it has the power of multiplication. It has the power of in something incredibly huge. That Jesus says your faith, even with a small measure, can move mountains in our life. I don't know what mountain you're faced with this morning. I don't know what mountain of difficulty that you have in your mind. What situations you may be going through. What seems to be out of your control. But Jesus gives us the principle that when we put our faith and trust in him, I'm telling you, there is nothing that will stop the power of God working in our lives. The hope that you and I have this morning is not that you and I can do it in our own ability, our own power, our own knowledge, but when we place our faith and our trust in God and we call to him who is the mountain mover and our faith is abandoned in Christ, mountains will be moved. 
Do you believe that this morning? How many of you have seen mountains moved in your life? In impossible situations, but with God, all things are possible, and God moved mountains in your life. Cancer, I've seen God heal cancer. I've seen God fill bank accounts. I've seen God wipe debts clean. Mark, I don't know about what you're going through or what your bill is this morning, but I'm telling you, God can move mountains. He is not limited. Who made the principles of life anyway? Who made gravity? Isaac Newton, the third law of motion? Who made that? It wasn't Isaac Newton. For every action there is an opposite and equal reaction. Who made that? It wasn't Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton was the man that discovered it. But God, our creator, put laws and principles in this earth. And if we will tap into what God has given us, come on, you and I can see incredible things happen for the glory of God. We will not, we will not let the lies of Satan or the distractions of this world limit what God wants to do in our life. Somebody give God a shout of praise in this house. Small but powerful multiplication. So, whatever we sow, it will grow. Will you say it with me? Whatever we sow, it will grow. Say it one more time. Whatever we sow, it will grow. One more time, very loud. Whatever we sow, it will grow. Ladies and gentlemen, you are sowing something right now. Right now, we are sowing seeds. How do we sow? By our actions, our words, our thoughts. Every thought is a seed. It's going to produce something. Every word that, you, that proceeds out of your mouth, every word that you speak is a seed that's going to produce some kind of harvest. Some of you are still affected by the words that someone has spoke over you even as a child today. You are still haunted by some of the words that were said over you. You're not good enough. Not beautiful, you're ugly. You're not smart. You can't comprehend. You have a deficiency. You have a you're handicapped. You're you have ADHD. Labels. Every word has an assignment over your life. Thank God. This is God's grace. Again, you got to balance out sowing and reaping that that everything that we have sown Thank God for his grace that can cancel out the bad seed that we have sown. Some of it's going to reap a harvest, and that's what I want us to think about. But not everything that was said over your life is going to come to pass. Why? Jesus Christ is the victory over our life. And at, the, at Calvary, at the foot of the cross, when we've abandoned our life at Calvary, Jesus' blood washes over us and cleanses us and makes us a new creation in Christ. Why are you still here today? Why are you still in your right mind? Why are you still trying to accomplish? Why? Are, because God's grace is compelling you that whatever the assignment or the seed that the enemy had over your life does not overpower the seed of God over your life. Seed that we sow is powerful, but I'm going to tell you, God's seed 
is more powerful than the enemy or what someone has carelessly spoke of your life. That is why when we talk about next week that the word of God is the seed that you and I need to make every effort to memorize, to bring into our life, to speak over, to quote over, put posters up in your room if you have to, put it on your mirror, stick it on your refrigerator, whatever you got to do, wherever you spend the most time, put that word of God into your life, speak over it, and let God's word be so powerful that will bring a harvest in your life. It will come to pass. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 37, following the same chapter, He says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and it will be forgiven you. Sow seeds of forgiveness, and you're going to reap forgiveness back. How many of you have ever needed forgiveness in your life? then make sure that you're sowing seeds of forgiveness. How many of you ever needed mercy? Not someone to judge you, not to be judgmental or to condemn you, but how many of you need the opposite of that, to someone to just help you, to believe in you? Jesus says, do not judge. And I'm not talking about assessing a situation or someone's heart and, and, and saying, okay, Man, this this person is corrupt, man. I can't be hanging out with them. I'm talking about what Jesus is talking about is assessing their life and noticing that they're doing wrong. They're in sin. And you blaming it on social media. Whispering behind their back. Judging them quickly. Don't judge. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn And you will not be condemned. You know why? Because you and I can never thrive in an environment where we're constantly being criticized. How are you going to produce fruit in your life, healthy, encouraging fruit, when you're always being sized up and analyzed and being judged and criticized for everything you do? You can't. And you and I cannot build a healthy family, a healthy environment, healthy relationships when we're being so scrutinized over everything that we do. So you and I need positive encouragement. Yes, we need discipline. Yes, we need someone to instruct us. Yes, we need someone to help us from right and wrong. Yes, we need instruction. But I can tell you there's a far cry different from that than talking around the water cooler at work over someone's faults and failures. Are you with me this morning? Be merciful, forgiving, man says he was driving to the office one day and he noticed a woman driving 65 miles an hour with her face up against next to the rearview mirror putting on her makeup and her eyeliner all over the world swerving well she almost hit him and I looked away and the next thing you know she was halfway in my lane still putting on her makeup and he was mad he was frustrated I can't believe this crazy woman driver 
as a man, I don't scare easily, he said, but she scared me so much that I dropped my electric shaver, which knocked over my donut out of my other hand, and all the confusion trying to straighten out the car using my knee against the steering wheel, it knocked my cell phone off of my ear, which fell into the coffee cup between my legs and ruined the phone and soaked my trousers and disconnected an important call, all because of this crazy woman driver. Isn't it funny how we can, we can see someone else's, oh my gosh, did you see what they're doing? Maybe we should just pause for a moment before we criticize, before we judge, before we condemn. I'm using Jesus' words, guys. I'm not using mine. Don't do this. And think for a moment. Am I perfect? I remember, never forget my dad telling me as a young man, and I was making reference to a lady in my classroom, and he, and he was teasing me. He said, hey, do you like so-and-so, the little girl in my class? I'm like, no, Dad. Please don't judge me. Dad, she's ugly. <laughs> and I was just ripping her, man. And um, he got very serious because he seen a character flaw in me, and he stopped. He stopped the joking. And he said, son, you're my son, and I love you but you are no prince. <laughs> know what he's doing? He's letting me realize that I have flaws too. Who am I to judge someone and to size them up? You and I live in a society and a culture where we do this constantly. And if you're not careful, it will corrupt you as a born-again believer. It's not the kingdom of God. That is not the seeds that we are to sow. We are beautifully and wonderfully made in Christ. I don't care if you're tall, short, skinny, plump. Just more to love, baby. That's all I say. Right? I mean, come on, why fight it? All right, we gotta get, we got to close this out. we got some baptism to do. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It, that sounds like a sowing and reaping a little bit. Obviously, it matters. It matters to God. Jesus said this. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Rather than try to make excuses to get out of that verse, why don't we just submit to it and say, all right, man, I'm going to be, I'm just going to forgive people. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, then he goes on, we're not going to spend time here, but give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. I love that because God always multiplies. Give, when you give, and I don't, I don't care if it's finances or if it's, if it's love, if it's kindness, if it's forgiveness, if it's, if it's encouragement, when you give it, and so if there's a shortage, man, I wish someone would encourage me. Man, I wish someone would give me a pat on the back. Well, let me ask you the question. When's the last time that you gave an encouraging word to someone? I mean, I, I, I promise you, man, sometimes it seems like 
sometimes it seems like um, we, it takes everything out of us to encourage someone or to say, hey, good job. Like we have to squeeze it out. It's not going to kill us to say, man, that was a good job. I like that. What you did was great. Hey, I got to say this. I got to just pause for a moment. Josh, if you don't turn off the water, we're going to have water spill all over because it's filling up. That's not Josh. Here, just spray me down. Good measure, pressed down, shaking the running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's a compound blessing this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that God spoke to my heart this week that's coming to you and your family. A compounded blessing. Let me tell you something. There will not be a shortage in your relationships when we say, God, empower me to sow the right seed. If you want a different harvest, ladies and gentlemen, then we got to say, Holy Spirit, show me the seed to sow. Are you with me this morning? And when you and I sow the right seed, God says, I will compound the harvest in your life. You're not going to have a shortage of friends. You're not going to have a shortage of healthy relationships. You're not going to have a shortage of the power of God working in your life. Why? Because you're going to sow the right seed that the Holy Spirit is inspiring you with. And God is a rewarder this morning that will bring a harvest. It's coming to your life. So what does your harvest look like? I'm going to tell you, we are, Aristotle said that we are what we repeatedly do. Not what you occasionally do, not when you remember it on, you know, oh, i got to do it one year, one time a year. No, you and I are who, what, what we repeatedly do in our life. That's why I choose your habits well. Habits are like ruts. With the, with the, actually habits are like graves with the ends knocked out. They're ruts. Make sure you choose your habit carefully because you may be in that rut for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, when we produce habits that inspired by the Holy Spirit, there are some formalities that are good. Don't not religion. Stop saying that I hate religion. There are some formalities that are given by God that God has put some things in order that are good for us. A good habit, come on, a good habit should never be broken when it's producing the right kind of fruit in your life. Yeah, I may be on habit, just get up in the morning and, and head, to the, head to a place of prayer, but that's a good habit to be in. You know why? Because my Heavenly Father speaks to me and some good things come out of my life by that habit. <clears throat> Someone said this, and I don't know who to give credit to, but they said, we sow a thought and re reap an act. We sow an act and reap a habit. We sow a habit and reap character. We sow a character. We sow character and reap a destiny. God adjust my life when I don't see the right kind of character. That means I got to back it all the way up because the seed was planted somewhere in my head. I thought the battleground that you have. You're not fighting for a harvest this morning. You're fighting for the right thoughts this morning. You hear what I'm telling you? 
You're not fighting for the right destiny to come in your life. You're fighting for the right seeds to sow. So ask me the question. Go ahead and ask me. Pastor, what do you think my future is like? You know, I'm going to ask you back. What kind of seeds are you sowing today? What seeds that you sow today will determine what kind of future you're going to have tomorrow. And I just say this, the Holy Spirit's going to open up the heavens over you. I pray the Holy Ghost will just speak to you this morning and show you what you need to sow in your life. What's good seed and what's bad seed? What seeds are killing me? What seeds are going to produce the right kind of fruit this morning? I see a church this morning that's going to, come on, that's going to see the family of God come forward and the kingdom of God come down and healing and restoration and miracles. Come on, somebody needs to know this morning that God has good seed and he's placed it in your hands. I've given you the ability, he says. I'm wrapping it up. What does our future look like? Who's going to go to your field? Who's going to sow seed? What farm will go to a field and say, boy, I wish someone would sow seed for me. Or what farmer is going to go to a field and say, man, I, I want a good crop to come out of the ground, but he never tills it, he never breaks the ground, he never sows the seed, he never invests in that field. What gardener is going to go to their garden and say, man, I would love some tomatoes. Man, I would love some tomatoes. Garden produce. Come forth. I'm going to tell you, you, you'll be flipping burgers on the grill this summer and you'll not have one tomato unless you take the seed and plant it in the ground. You've got to pull the weeds. We're going to talk about that next week. Before you sow the seed, you've got to pull the weeds. Prepare. God's placed it in you. Who's going to sow for you? The decision you have to make this morning, the miracle is already in the working for you, but it will never come to pass unless you come in alignment with God. And God says, Moses, that Red Sea will never part on you till you take the rod that I've placed in your hand, and you've got to lift your tail, your brain, to lift your arm and place that rod over the Red Sea. There is no parting of the Red Sea without Moses lifting his rod like God told him to do. The obedience is sowing the right seed and the miracle will take place. The miracle that's going to happen in your life and my life will be because we have said, God, we realize that you've given us the power to sow today. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to sow in order to reap a God kind of harvest. Can you give the Lord a praise this morning? In Galatians, we'll read it one more time as we close. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up.